Over the last couple of weeks, um, in particular off the back of the prophetic ministry meeting that we had a couple of weeks ago, um, God has really been impressing upon me this um, thing that he is doing in the hearts of his children at the moment, that he wants the kingdom of heaven manifested through us in righteousness, peace and joy. And this theme keeps coming back to me and keeps coming back to me and keeps coming back to me. And uh, on Friday morning, I was preparing the Friday night message and God goes, God spoke, spoke something into my spirit and then began to unpack a bit of a, a, a message for our church and then gave me a prophetic vision last night. In the middle of the night, I had a prophetic vision. And so um, I want to share this with you this morning and uh, we're going to take a couple of little detours along the way, but you'll see that it all makes sense by the end, I trust, and that the spirit of wisdom and revelation actually flows through this message today. And that's what I want to ask for, Lord, more than anything else, that your spirit of wisdom and revelation would flow through what is spoken um, out of the word of God today, Lord. I pray, Father God, that every heart would be impacted and that we would be changed and taken further along, Father God, in our process of transformation from glory to glory. And I just pray this in the mighty and all-powerful name of Jesus Christ. You know, Psalm 66 verse 12 says this, You have caused men to ride over our heads. We went through fire and through water, but you brought us out to rich fulfillment. The words that God spoke to me on Friday morning were that last line, I'm bringing you out to rich fulfillment. And so, uh, and of course, that word, I'm bringing you out to rich fulfillment, flies in the face of everything that we see in the world around us at the moment. And uh, all this week, we have been watching the escalation of the COVID-19 crisis in our city, in Sydney while simultaneously becoming aware that there is only so much that man can do to fight against what has come against us. And so uh, without delving into the politics of this or what may be behind it or any of those things, I just want to make a couple of simple observations about, um, about COVID-19 as it's affecting the world at the moment. And it seems that every country in the world has basically adopted the same strategy. And that is, if we can just get everyone vaccinated, everything will be okay and life will be normal again. But I've been paying particular attention to the nation of Israel over the last couple of months because Israel gives us an indication of what that strategy actually plays out like. So uh, I'll give you a sobering statistic to do with Israel. Israel, um, 80% of the population aged 12 and above in that nation have been fully vaccinated. At the moment, as I speak today, 650 cases of COVID per day per million people are being diagnosed with COVID Um, And half of those 650 cases per day per million people are fully vaccinated. They've had two uh, vaccinations of the Pfizer vaccine. 
That plays out to um, a few days ago, 5,850 people per day in the nation of Israel are being diagnosed with COVID-19. And this is continuing to rise. The most recent statistic I could see was from the 19th of August, which was 8,413 cases on the 19th of August, and 29 people died on that day. The reason that that statistic speaks to us here in New South Wales is because our government is approaching, is taking the same approach in a strategy against COVID-19. Israel has a population of... uh, I'm trying to remember the exact figure, 20-something million people, which is roughly the, uh, sorry, 9 million people, which is just uh, over the population of our state of New South Wales. The other statistic of note is that um, 60% of those in hospital critically ill in Israel at the moment are fully vaccinated. And the quote from one of their Um, leading health professionals in the area of immunology and virology and those things says vaccines work but not well enough and the Israeli government is now asking their people to have booster shots. And so I look at these statistics and I see that the strategy that our government is employing and I see a very simple fact that there's only so much that man can do. And so without uh, offering my opinion about whether you should be vaccinated or not, I believe that it is uh, the responsibility of every Christian to really begin to pray and intercede into what is going on, not just in our nation but around the world. Because there are things, there are shifts happening across the face of the globe, some COVID-related and some not, that are going to affect our future generations. And I was struck also this week that it takes a lot to push COVID off the front pages at the moment of the newspapers, but Afghanistan has done that with the debacle debacle that is occurring even as we speak as that nation is overrun by the Taliban and the competence of the USA as a global leader is now being brought into sharp focus. It's kind of horrifying to watch people dropping out of the sky, desperately hanging on to US Air Force cargo planes and dropping to their death over Kabul airport. And then to hear that 10,000 American citizens are stuck in Afghanistan at the non-existent mercy of the Taliban. And what exactly the strategy might be to get them out, I don't know. But I'm also aware of something else that is uh, of great importance to us as Christians. That is that behind Iran, which is the fastest growing underground church in the world, the second fastest growing underground church in the world is in Afghanistan. And these are our brothers and sisters. And in fact, let's just stop for a minute and let's pray. So Heavenly Father, we know that our brothers and sisters in that nation of Afghanistan are under grave threat. They are in grave peril, Lord. And we thank you, Father God, that, Lord, that you are um, moving in a powerful way in that nation. And though for so many people in hiding, the situation may seem hopeless to them, 
I thank you, Father God, that the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, is guarding their hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. I thank you, Father God, that in every situation they face, they present a magnificent example of what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And we would ask, Lord, and believe in faith for a supernatural intervention in that nation so that your people go free in the name of Jesus. You know, what we're going through in our city of Sydney seems almost insignificant when compared with what's happening in that place. But I note that here in Sydney, our entire city's in lockdown and in a lot of places there's a curfew starting tonight from 9pm to 5am. Businesses are in trouble. People are in crisis. Uh, Lifeline, the, uh, the suicide prevention hotline, is receiving record numbers of calls on a daily basis. The number of young people aged 12 to 17 presenting at hospitals in crisis because of suicidal thoughts has risen 48% in the last 12 months. And I look at all these things, and I'm not telling you these things uh, or sharing these things with you to make you depressed. I'm just giving you a snapshot of what's going on in the world to remind you and to bring into focus in all of us that we live in uncertain times. And what you put your confidence in is, has a great, great bearing on how you walk through whatever you might be walking through in this season. Everyone wants to live in peace and security. And no one seems to know what comes next. Peace and security are in short supply in our world. But in the midst of this, on Friday morning, I heard the Lord speaking to us saying, I will bring you out into rich fulfillment. And so uh, I knew that was from the Psalms. I looked it up. It's Psalm 66, verse 12. You have caused men to ride over our heads. We went through fire and through water, but you brought us out to rich fulfillment. And so I started looking into the background of Psalm 66 and the background of that particular verse. And I want to tell you a story that I promise you is related to this scripture in a very unusual way. And it's the story of the invention of the telegraph machine. You know when they first transmitted uh, Morse code? Um, the transmission of Morse code began with the telegraph machine way back in 1844. And the telegraph machine sent Morse code down a telegraph wire to a machine receiving it at the other end. And the operator at the other end would decode the message that had been transmitted by those dots and dashes and then respond. And so in 1844, in the chamber of the Supreme Court of the United States of America, a man named Albert Morse sent the first telegraph message from Washington to Maryland and waited for a reply. Now, if it was you doing that, what would you send as a test message? And what would you ask for as a response? Well, the first message that was sent out as a Morse code message on a telegraph machine was, come and see what God has done. And the reply that came back was, come and see what God has done for me. 
How's this related to that scripture I read before? It's from the same psalm. And the reason uh, that I was so taken by, there was a couple of aspects to why I was so taken by this particular story. But one of the things that I saw very clearly as I went back and re-examined Psalm 66 is that between verse 5 and verse 12, is the story of God's eternal faithfulness, including the message to us that he will bring us out into rich fulfilment. One of the things that struck me in the natural about this was that at that time, America as a nation worshipped God. And when they... uh, sent that first Morse code message from the chamber of the Supreme Court of the United States of America, what was transmitted and what was replied had to be approved by their government, right? It's not just a random thing. Oh, I think we'll just say this and we'll get them to reply that. This was actually sent from the highest, the office of the highest authority in the United States of America. And it indicates to us that Um, America as a nation at that time worshipped God and they glorified God with what they sent and what they replied for this breakthrough. And I thought about that for a minute and I thought in the current climate that couldn't happen. If you wanted to transmit something of great importance as a first message In a new method of communication, you would have to include something from the Quran. You would have to include something from the Hindu Vedas. You would probably have to put something in from the Tao, maybe the Bhagavad Gita, and possibly even the Church of Satan. Am I exaggerating? No, I'm not. I've seen a video of a man wearing a Satanist robe um, opening a major city in America's uh, council meeting with worship to Satan because that was his right, his democratic right in that country. And so I know we're kind of taking a little bit of a step sideways here for a moment, but as I was considering this, I felt the Lord drop something into my spirit. In Proverbs 14.34 it says, Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. There are many Western nations, including our own, where sin has taken a huge hold, not just of of people as individuals, but nations in national decisions. The Bible teaches us that before the return of Jesus Christ, there will be sheep nations and goat nations There will be nations who make their decisions based on the word of God. They will be sheep nations. There will be other nations who embrace all sorts of other things. Righteousness exalts a nation. There is a difference between righteousness and self-righteousness. What is that difference? Self-righteousness is defined by us, by our standards. But true righteousness is defined by God, by his standards, and we have those standards in the word of God. They are eternal, they are clear, and the single, singular beauty of the Christian faith is that at the cross, 
We receive the righteousness of Jesus Christ in exchange for our filthy rags of sin. The nation that embraces this truth as a nation is blessed by God, raised up by God because it is prepared to humble itself before God when things go wrong. I wonder how different our nation would look in our hour of crisis if our government went back to its roots and declared a national day of prayer and fasting from the highest office in the land. I wonder what would happen in the United States of America if the president declared we're going to have a national day of prayer and fasting. And you know what? We're not going to lock down for COVID. We're going to lock down for God. Everybody get on their face and get before God. I want to tell you something would change. The nation that turns its back on God will soon find itself in quicksand, especially morally. And that's what we see in our nation. We see it in the United States of America. We see it in just about all of Western civilization. So when I read about these two verses being telegraphed from the Supreme Court of the United States of America when the telegraph machine was invented, and I went on to read what comes between those two verses I saw that this psalm was written to remind us of God's goodness and faithfulness and remind us that he promises to bring us out into rich fulfillment while drawing each of us personally into deeper relationship with him. And I looked a little more into the background of this psalm and I discovered that Psalm 66 was used in the temple at Jerusalem for public worship. And at its heart is a call to worship that begins as a call to the whole world, but as it unfolds, it becomes increasingly personal and becomes an expression of testimony. And so we're going to go from Psalm 66 5 through uh, to where we got uh, that last. Scripture, I think it's verse 16, where it says, come and see what the Lord has done for me. It's expressed a little bit differently in the King, New King James Version. But I'm just going to walk through this a little bit and see what God has to say to us this morning um, out of this psalm. Psalm 66 verse 5 says, come and see the works of God. He is awesome in his doing toward the sons of men. And here is this an incredible expression that covers all of humanity. He is awesome in his doing toward the sons of men. And then he narrows his focus a little because in verse 6 he says, He turned the sea into dry land. They went through the river on foot and there we will rejoice in him. And there is so much just in that one verse because he is recounting the miracle of the parting of the Red Sea and then he moves on when he talks about going through the river on foot. He's talking about the crossing of the Jordan River. And you know, when the presence of God went down into the Jordan River as the priests carry it, the Bible says that the waters in the Jordan River rolled all the way back to a place called Adam. That is a prophetic picture that uh, when we come into relationship with God, that all our sin is rolled back all the way back to Adam and we become new creations. We walk through in a dry land into our promise. 
And the thing that struck me, uh, one of the things that struck me about this was I had this picture of the temple in Jerusalem and all these people singing this psalm. And it it says, He turned the sea into dry land. They went through the river on foot. There we will rejoice in him. And I was reminded that for somebody in the temple of Jerusalem on that day, if they were to get a couple of meals and a donkey and start walking, two days later they would arrive at the bank of the Jordan River where this took place. Anybody could see for themselves the place where God proved his faithfulness and they could look around at a land flowing with milk and honey and see God's faithfulness to them. In verse 7, it goes on to say, He rules by his power forever. His eyes observe the nations. Do not let the rebellious exalt themselves. This is a warning to those nations who would turn their backs on God. And then it's got that word in the psalm, Selah. S-E-L-A-H, pause in his presence. They stop and they consider what they've just been singing. And their response is, verse 8 and 9, O bless our God, you peoples, and make the voice of his praise to be heard, who keeps our soul among the living and does not allow our feet to be moved. You are not to be moved this morning by what you see around you. We have the evidence We have the evidence, the testimony of what God has done in the past that he will do again. And then we come to the three verses that end in rich fulfillment. They're a description of today. For you, O God, have tested us. You have refined us as silver is refined. You brought us into the net. You laid affliction on our backs. You have caused men to ride over our heads. We went through fire and through water, but you brought us out to rich fulfillment. This is a beautiful picture of the chastening of God, that when God chastens, his purpose is to bring us out into rich fulfillment. And those people standing in the temple of Jerusalem knew the history of their land. They knew the times when they had rebelled against God and things went awry for them. They knew they carried that testimony of generations past, handed down from father to son, from father to son, from father to son. This is what the Lord has done for us. Everything we see around us, around us of a land flowing with milk and honey is because we serve God. We went through fire and through water, but you brought us out to rich fulfillment. It's a reminder that it was impossible for Israel to conquer their promised land, but they did. (laughs) And whenever they humbled themselves before the Lord and repented and turned toward him, he blessed and restored. And his fulfillment, the rich fulfillment that the Bible speaks of here, Is his promises to them. And their covenant pales when compared to the new covenant you and I are under. He will bring you out into rich fulfillment.
So there's another response here to these verses. I will go into your house with burnt offerings. I will pay you my vows, which my lips have uttered and my mouth has spoken when I was in trouble. I will offer you burnt sacrifices of fat animals with the sweet aroma of rams. I will offer bulls with goats. God is looking for our sacrifice of praise. We don't have to offer bulls, goats, turtle doves. We don't have to send scapegoats out into the wilderness. We don't have to do any of those things. Under our covenant, God is looking for the fruit of our lips to be expressed in praise and thanksgiving because of his faithfulness before we even see the faithfulness manifest. And so then it says, Selah again, let's pause and consider. (laughs) And when the psalmist begins to raise his voice again, now he begins to make it personal. It's no longer about all of mankind and God's goodness in dealing with mankind. It's no longer about the nations and he's dealing with the nations. It's no longer about Israel as a nation, as important as that is. Now it's about him personally. He has said at the beginning of verse 5, come and see the works of God. Now he makes it personal. Verse 16, come and hear all you who fear God and I will declare what he has done for my soul. Come and hear, all you who fear God, and I will declare what he has done for my soul. I read these words and I see that the writer of this psalm had his spiritual eyes on the eternal when he wrote it. He talked about God's dealings with all of mankind. He also had his eyes on God's dealing with the nations and in particular his own nation who had received such fruit of relationship with God. But he also had his eye on the immediate, the personal, what it meant to him. I will declare what he has done for my soul. Can you declare it from your heart this morning? I will declare what he has done for my soul. In fact, if you were all here in the building today, you would be repeating with me, so you may as well do it at home. And in fact, you should do it so loud that the neighbours hear it, so they come banging on the door and they go, what did he do for your soul? And you bring him to Jesus. (laughs) I will declare what he has done for my soul. Can you repeat it with me? I will declare what he has done for my soul. Because let me clue you in on something. This world is temporal. What's temporal mean? Temporary. (laughs) This world is fading away, is passing away. But your soul is eternal. Pandemics, wars, rumours of wars, conflicts, Family problems, employment problems, business problems, climate change, crime. All these are temporal. But your soul is eternal. I will declare what he has done for my soul. See, if you have this eternal perspective... You can actually walk in righteousness, peace and joy. 
God keeps reminding me. Keeps reminding me of the prophetic word that I brought a week, a week and a half ago or so, two weeks ago, that the world systems are not actually failing, they are falling so that the kingdom of heaven might be more clearly seen and the kingdom of heaven is more clearly seen because it's seen in God's sons. That's you and I. And when the kingdom of heaven is seen in you and I, it's seen in righteousness, peace and joy. That man way back in 1844, Albert Morse, who invented the telegraph machine, chose to give glory to God for the invention. He did so from the highest court in the land, a land that has in more recent times progressively turned its back on God. And as I was considering this, felt God just bring it back to the personal again for a moment and ask me, what are you telegraphing to the world around you? What are you telegraphing to the world around you? What are people picking up from you, especially those around you who don't know Jesus? What are they picking up from you? What is your level of righteousness, peace and joy in this season? We started in verse 5 and we heard the psalmist cry out a passionate invitation to everyone to hear about the mighty things that God has done for those who rely on him and how he brought them out to rich fulfillment, even though he had to bring correction along the way, even though there was chastising without which we learned on Friday night, we're not actually sons, we're illegitimate. If we don't receive the chastising of the Lord, I'm not saying, as I said on Friday night, I'm not saying COVID-19 is a chastising of the Lord. But we know that every trial we go through in our life, God is overseeing the whole process and he uses even the bad things that we go through to bring us out into rich fulfilment. Psalm 66.10, let's go back to this. For you, O God, have tested us. You have refined us as silver is refined. I remember the prophetic word that God gave us for Open Heaven Church. You will be a crucible for the fire of the Holy Spirit. Welcome to the crucible, church. <laughs> Welcome to the crucible. <laughs> Count it all joy. That's exactly right. You might have been able to hear the cameraman over my microphone this morning. Camera woman, I should say. You, O God, have tested us. You have refined us as silver is refined. You brought us into the net. You laid affliction on our backs. Don't tell me that God doesn't correct. You have caused men to ride over our heads. We went through fire and through water. But you brought us out to rich Fulfillment. God is bringing us out. There are things he has purposed for us 
that have already been decided in heaven. And they will not be derailed by what we might see around us at the moment. We, not, we may not be able to see exactly what's going to happen over the next few weeks or months. But what we can be sure of is that what God has spoken over us and to us will come to pass because we see through all of human history that God brings his people out into rich fulfillment. But let's each one of us have our personal perspective right. That even in difficult circumstances, the declaration of our hearts can be, come and hear all you who fear God and I will declare what he has done to my soul. And in fact, under our covenant, God takes it one step further. It's as if uh, he would have us say, come and hear all you who fear God, all of you who despise God, all of you who worship another God, all of you who deny that God even exists, come and hear and I will declare what he has done for my soul. Nobody can take that from you. No plague, no pestilence, no war, no rumour of war should be able to affect the way that we walk through because we have the saviour of our soul has come and turned everything upside down. As I waited on the Lord last night, God gave me a prophetic picture in the middle of the night. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up as I give this. And I've seen over the recent weeks of our lockdown as different people have been affected in different ways, I've seen that sometimes what we've been walking through can be a little bit like an emotional yo-yo, up and down, up and down, according to, uh, according to whatever the news of the day might be. I'm sure that about 20 minutes ago, some of you paused this message at Gladys O'Clock to check, <laughs> to, to check what the COVID numbers for our state might be. But I want to tell you, beyond Gladys O'Clock, it's God O'Clock. <laughs> <laughs> and it may seem like a terrible struggle that we're going through, but God is faithful to take us out into rich fulfillment. So this prophetic, uh, this prophetic vision that I saw, it was only brief, but the Lord spoke to me out of it. And what I saw was a man walking through a wilderness and he was wearing a white robe which indicates to me that he had on his robe of righteousness but he was carrying a heavy burden and he had a destination and in fact he could see the destination in the distance 
but he didn't have the strength to reach it because of the weight of the burden upon his back. And the only way that he could have the strength to reach his promise was to lay the burden down. So he stopped and he unstrapped the burden from his back, let it fall to the ground and he walked on. And I hear the Lord saying to us, this is what I heard in the middle of the night. I will not leave you desolate. You are not forsaken. You have tasted of my goodness and you know the power of the resurrection in your lives. Come to me. Lay down the futility of your empty imaginings and nameless fears. Lay down the burdens. Trust me, says the Lord. Have I not brought you this far? I will bring you out into rich fulfillment. Look to me. Keep your eyes on me. I am leading you out of your wilderness. I want to thank you, Lord, for the faithfulness of your promise. And as the worship team begins to play quietly, I just want to pray over everybody that's joining us today. Lord, I want to thank you, Father God, that that when you talk about our burdens, you've told us by your word that your burdens are not heavy. You've asked us, Lord, to be yoked to you. And even though I saw that man walking through the wilderness and he looked like he was alone, Lord, your word promises us that we are not alone. You've given us the Holy Spirit who walks alongside us every step. I see a picture even as I'm speaking this, I see a picture of the Holy Spirit as the comforter coming alongside those of you who are struggling and putting his arm around your shoulders and saying to you, lift your eyes to the Lord and walk on because He is bringing you out into rich fulfilment. For those of you who are walking in despair and hopelessness because of your financial situation today, I declare the word over the Lord to you that all your needs will be met by His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. That God will supply all of your needs. 
that God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent or change his mind about what he has for you. God is bringing you out into rich fulfillment. You may be having your faith stretched in this period of time, but it's being stretched so that you have a greater capacity to believe more in him than in the things that you see around you. I hear the burden of the uh, of our focus on the temporal world crashing to the ground this morning as I pray. And Father God, that when we read the news, when we uh, when we listen to all this stuff that's flooding in on us, Lord, that Father God, you give us the discernment, the maturity, the anointing to lay it down at the feet of Jesus and say, Jesus, the news might say this, the government might say this, but you say in your word, you are bringing us out into rich fulfillment. And so Father God, for those of us who are struggling in this, I thank you, Father God, that your promise is now uh, taking root as a seed that rapidly grows in every heart, that we have a promise of rich fulfillment that you are holding out to us and that you are leading us forward into that fulfillment. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Father God, for those of us who have had been bombarded. I, hear, I see this bombardment of negative thoughts, of denial of the gospel, of denial of God's faithfulness, a denial of God's character and nature. I cut those off in the name of Jesus. And I thank you, Father God, that the truth of your word is permeating every single one of our hearts, that, Lord, we would not be one of those spies looking over the border into the promised land, coming back and saying it's too hard. That, Father God, that we would be of the same spirit of Caleb, the one that you say had a different spirit, who came forward at the age of 80 and said, Give me now this mountain. Give me now this mountain. I thank you, Father God, that there is none of us who is going to miss out on what you have for us. Because, Lord, by the impartation that I declare right now of your Holy Spirit, your people are being strengthened, strengthened. I see shoulders rising back up into their rightful position. I see the wrongful burdens falling to the ground. And I see you walking forth. And as the burden falls to the ground, that robe, that white robe that you're wearing is being more fully revealed. And I see how pure and white and spotless it is because you are part of the bride, says the Lord. You are part of the pure and spotless bride that he's coming back for. But first, Walk out of your wilderness into what He has for you in the name of Jesus because God says, I'm leading you out of your wilderness. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the beauty of your presence permeating every home right now, Lord. Thank you for the beauty of your spirit, Lord. Thank you, Father God, for the fresh strength that's coming, Lord, to those who have been struggling. 